Welcome to the Inside CCW Safe Podcast with founders Dan Campbell and Mike Darter. If you're forced to fight the battle for your life, CCW Safe will fight the battle for your future. Hey, welcome back to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Mike Darter in Oklahoma City. And of course, here with Stan Campbell. And we're also here with Rob High. Rob is our newest addition to CCW Safe. He's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, use of force expert. Um, how many years in law enforcement did you have? Uh, a little over 25. 25 years in law enforcement, trainer, uh, use force expert. What we're going to do, uh, if you didn't see the show before, we're going to have Robin introduce himself, kind of go over his background, and then we're just going to talk about some of the things that may be coming up. Because we're excited that Rob is here because 2021, we're going to have a lot of really good content. We're going to have new academy classes. And um, so why don't you introduce yourself and kind of go through your history. Yeah. Um, I'm Rob High. Uh, really, really honored to be here. Um, <clears throat> I started with the police department early in 95. Um, went from there. Uh, it, actually, my academy class was the one the year of the Oklahoma City bombing. That's right. Um, and we were actually activated a, about a month into the academy and, and actually put out kind of baptism by fire and and uh, worked that scene for a while. Um, just really just supplementing the officers that were already out there working around the clock. Um, finished up the academy and went into patrol like every new guy does. Uh, stayed there for about three years. Um, during that time, uh, I had a lot of uh, supervisors and command staff that, that really kind of opened doors for me and allowed me to get a lot of additional training, um, some instructor-level certifications and things like that. So I taught all three of the the critical disciplines. So I, I taught uh, pursuit driving, mm-hmm. uh, firearms, and, and our self-defense stuff. <clears throat> and it was at a time when self-defense was it, it was taught, but it was there was really not a whole whole lot of really solid op- or what, what's my word? Uh, Probably the techniques. The, but... Yeah, the techniques were just really lacking. We yeah. we did a lot of silly stuff, um, but their guys were doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah, um, <laughs> remember and, the hair and, pull? Yes. <laughs> What was that? Um, and and you just kind of wound up making it more of a survival of the fittest kind of things and just beat right. people down. Yeah. Well, um, what would you do on stand for a hair? Wow. I was just wondering. What is I mean, happening just, right now? <laughs> Dude. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> it would be an eyebrow grab. <laughs> you know, I didn't know we were going to be rude today. <laughs> What's going on? You know, I'm, you know, I'm sensitive. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. It's funny. You know, you know. Speaking of that, Rob, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know, uh, and when you think about the police department, you know, um, the evolution of training is is truly important. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. all of us have been through it. When we got on, especially me and Mike back in nine, the nineties, I mean, the stuff. The only, the only thing we can remember when we left was the armbar takedown. Correct. Because yeah. Because everything else really was throw out the window. Yeah. And it was survival of the fittest. It was, you know, whatever you could do. And, um, you know, as we moved on and we made changes in the late 90s, early 2000s, especially when you came on board, you know, we started really, you know, doing some things. But um, kind of keep talking about, you know, how training has, has evolved, you know, on the police department and 
it's kind of the gauge that everybody goes off. Concealed carriers go off as well. Sure. That's the gauge that we have is the police department on shooting incidents. But go ahead. Uh, well, uh, specifically, if you remember our uh, gun defense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, holstered gun defense, strong gun defense, uh, disarming techniques, things like that. Um, we, they were so far behind the curve. Yeah. Um, they were doing you stuff were, in the 70s. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we were we were doing things like uh, mechanical control things yeah. in a lethal force attack. Yes. Um, and so it, it really wasn't difficult to make the change with command once we explained this mm-hmm. is this is where you're at on your threat level. Uh, and then we moved on to to really some hard defenses that that would end that attack you know relatively quickly yes um you know for, you know, for an example what, what i was talking about is you know we had you know techniques in which we had a gun out should have brought one here today but you have you have your gun out and someone grabs your wrist and we would do this this turn thing and do all kinds of stuff to you know put them in some type of wrist lock <clears throat> right and it didn't make any sense and then just one day we were watching the kids do that and i looked at my hand and i i went Change hands. <laughs> and I, yeah. I pushed the gun into the other hand. I'm like, well, now all they have is that. And, you know, you, so it's, it's a simple changes, but it's like, you know, you have to evolve. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again because it'll get somebody killed. Right. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, a lot of that stuff is from the 70s. It was almost <laughs> like the old, you know, Adam karate, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. uh, the old like Japanese jiu-jitsu yeah. type of things. If you do this, then this and this. And it really... That went on up until, I mean, when we got on, yeah. they were still doing that That's stuff. Correct. And then well, we did that until <clears throat> about uh, 98, 99. 98. We made the first change in 98. And, and they were huge changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other part of that is there were things that you were never going to remember and recall under stress. That's correct. Right. You know, right. you had like 10 steps to get through this <laughs> to end up in a wrist lock. Mm-hmm. And the guy was just trying to take your gun and kill you with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so we simplified a lot of things. Uh, we made our counterattack much harder, um, much more extreme and, and fitting for that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Viol- <clears throat> violence of action. Yes. To make it more impactful. Right. You know, and acting like, I mean, knowing that and operating in a realm where you know that you're in a deadly force situation and, you know, you have to be right there and ready to to take a life if, 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 if need be. Right. Um, yeah, so we, you know, I, I came in, uh, in, into the, the program for self-defense about 99. Um, Stan was running it at that point in time. Um, there was a lot of evolution going on right then. Mike, when he became, a, uh, an instructor, uh, helped brought in a lot of change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, even even guys learning how to how to fall and how to how to roll out of things, mm-hmm. um, they were so horribly taught. They were they mm-hmm. were they were really really messed up. Um, and having guys come in that had martial arts backgrounds and things like that really made the transition to training and and teaching that stuff really really safe. That's right. Because um, we had guys just trying to learn how to how to fall. Uh, mm-hmm. how to roll out of things we'd had injuries like significant injuries guys were washing out of the academy because they were getting hurt so bad 
um, which is just, that's horrible. Um, especially when there's much safer, easier, more effective techniques to do. <laughs> yeah. And and I think all of us had our own little role over the years in... in um, yeah, you know, and, and there was a lot of things that, like, even when... You know, Mike went through my instructor's class. It was right after his shooting. And, um, you know, some of the things that, because I mean, his background is extensive as well. Um, and some of the things that we were doing was just so dated. Yes. And, you know, and it didn't make sense to Mike. And Mike wasn't afraid to let us know. You know, uh, he's pretty aggressive at times. You know, he, I still have an elbow problem because of him. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, he was really mean to me again in 97. But, um I'm, I'm, I'm gonna walk away from that. So, but you know, Mike was able to bring some things from his uh, judo background, the keto, and you know, really help us, you know, evolve the program and make it make more sense versus just because we're doing it on the mats. But you know, you have to train like you're gonna be in the real world. Yeah. And some of the stuff that we were doing, if you land on concrete that way, it's not gonna have the same effect. And then Mike was able to kind of evolve us into, you know, no, you keep this fluid and, mo and, and moving. So that you know you can stay in the fight because yeah. you can actually put yourself out of the fight if you do the wrong, make the wrong move. Oh yeah, at that time I remember it was the falls were straight back, feet on the ground, straight back to to your shoulder blades, mm -hmm. and you do that on concrete. Oh yeah, um, or you know you have you know something behind you, something you behind object. you yeah. that you're not. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there were a lot of changes during that time. I mean, really, I think that was really when the f kind of first changes started coming mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then after that when um rob and kent and then on to like um travis and brian yeah. and them then that curve you know we were we were going along and then we started that curve and then it just kept going right. yeah so, so actually saw you know, massive just, changes just prior to that you know we had the, the 2000 changes so really the 2001 2003 changes mm -hmm. where you know uh, we had um uh, Jeff Gonzalez was on, um, a former Navy SEAL, um, you know, a few podcasts ago. And, you know, when he was in Bud's training, there was a man named Lou Hicks uh, that was a master chief that he, he, he went under Bud's training under. And, you know, Rob and I had the opportunity to train under this guy, and he was, he was amazing. Right. And, you know, he actually changed our philosophy on how to teach. Because mm -hmm. that, that, that too, you know, and, and for you guys who carry concealed and you train on the range and stuff, if you keep making mistakes and you're training negatives, that's what we call that, you keep making the mistakes and you're training your mistake, you're going to make those mistakes when it comes time for, right. you, know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you to save your own life or someone else's. So uh, he taught us how to really identify what type of learner you are and, and really get the information across, identify these things and, and not train negatives. So, um, you know, th th that was some rough training that, that, that we went through in Baltimore. Um, and that, too, you know, started evolving the way that we delivered the information. And then as we moved on past the torch, Rob had his, his run at running the program and then passed the torch again to Kent and, um, you know, um, Pick and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I mean, we really did help. I mean, it's probably about 10 guys helped really evolve the program over the, the 20 years that, that we were involved, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's actually developed into, you know, we've all trained all over the country, uh, and I've never seen a program that that rivals it. It's like the best program in the really in is. the nation right now. They're really solid, and and they've not stopped. I mean, they continue on that 
on that upward plane and just get better and better. That's right. Um, and the bonus with that is, is we, we come into this and, and have those experiences and, and that base of knowledge that, uh, it's something that we can move on and start offering this out to, uh, just concealed carry holders. That's you right. Know, it's, it's just the members that are out there that are concerned, um, and they're putting in the time to get better and understand and make themselves safer. Yeah. And then, you know, we all sat on boards and stuff in which we were able to uh, look at the use of forces that officers are in every day. Right. And all of those things um, that we've learned there and just, you know, being to sit back and, 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 and break down the actions of others, right. you know, under these extreme circumstances, we bring all that to CCW safe, especially when we look at the things that you guys are involved in. So we have the opportunity. And then the other thing that's really special about our group and, and our, our organization is that we try to think about what we can teach you guys to keep you from getting into certain situations and, you know, teaching you to, like, like what Rob said, some of the things we're going to be doing on the academy is talking about, you know, this day and age of gun retention and holster retention, you know, no one teaches that. No one teaches that. Our, or, you know, our competitors don't. You know, everyone's teaching, you know, how to shoot paper. But when it comes down to it, you have to think about real life things. You know, in most cases, especially this day and age, you guys are going to be versus pulling the trigger. You're going to be pulling your gun out um, really to stop a threat more than anything. And what do you do when someone that's unarmed grabs your gun? Those are real important things and, you know, or grabs you, you know, how to, you know, you know get yourself back to a, a safe position to defend yourself if you can't pull the trigger or you put on the ground. These are all the things that well, we're going to be going over in the academy sure. mm -hmm. you know, to show you guys to really help you out. Um, so we're really, really happy about Rob. But I'm sorry, continue. I, I like to. I think there's two things I would like to touch on today mm -hmm. since we have Rob here <clears throat> because of his experience, you know, and his expertise in use of force <clears throat> and training. But two things that I keep seeing that almost as prereqs for all this stuff. Yes. Um, one thing, and we've talked about both of them today, uh, the first being that training what you fall back on that's right yeah <clears throat> and for me that training falls back actually bef before you get into any training and that my what kind of the one mentality i've always had is physical fitness that's right and being physically fit because all of that training falls back on your ability as a person your physical ability. And then also the second thing, which you mentioned earlier was mechanical. Mm -hmm. um, and actually we were talking earlier, uh, Gary's putting together a presentation for a local group on the aftermath of a shooting. And he added a new slide and it was talking about um, at what point you lose mechanical function. Mm -hmm. um, and it was pretty low yeah. on the, on the heart rate. So uh, we might talk about that, like your thoughts on that as far as maybe <clears throat> kind of a system of how to look at it, of building your training. You know, where would you start? Would you start with, you know, physical fitness and then go on to what, what would you go next? And then also talk a little bit about that because a lot of people who, um, you know, might think uh, – uh, or if they do have training in certain ways about 
the mechanical ability of your body and to perform those mechanical movements because they're going to go pretty quick, right? It depends on your on your level of training mm-hmm. and your um, level yep. and your level, level of fitness. fitness yeah. Yep. Um, it it's uh, it it's a really big deal when you've got somebody that's never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and some so many guys want to rush ahead and get into the really big stuff. I want to do this. I want to I want to run and gun. I want to I want to do active target stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we touched on a minute ago. Stan's talking about you know they they get you out there and they teach you how to put holes in paper. Um, there's there's a really critical element of going out there and, and learning really basic fundamentals and safety things mm-hmm. and putting those holes in paper. You got to spend that time. You That's don't, right. You're not just going to step out there and all of a sudden you're running and gunning and and you're you're shooting high speed courses. Um, those things are are the things that you fall back on and you fall back to your level of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get you get yourself to a level of physical fitness and then even though you're there uh the mental aspect comes into it Mm -hmm. because there's physiological things that happen in really high stress critical situations um and all of a sudden you start getting into uh things where that heart rate goes up you Mm -hmm. can't control your breathing and all of a sudden you're you're, you're, fatiguing, and, you're mm-hmm. fatiguing really, really fast, and your fine motor skills go out the window. Um, with preparation, you can you can train yourself to overcome those things. Um, there's so many things that you know. It's one thing that you you pull a firearm and and you know you're at a low ready position or whatever, and mm-hmm. and you're trying to to utilize that as a deterrent mm-hmm. in that in that situation where it's got to that level that that this is really rapidly approaching this deadly force kind of incident. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you touched on it. What happens if that guy is not deterred by that? Yeah. And he mm-hmm. closes the gap and all of a sudden he's got his hands on your gun. Yeah. Your whole, your whole world has changed right then. Cause you're not prepared mentally for the, for the changes that are fixing to happen. Um, so part of that is understanding what can, what can occur mm-hmm. and, and how to kind of, uh, overcome those things um, just with breath control and super simple little things that, that we can train guys up with. Um, but you still have to take the time and and put the effort in to improve your, your physical fitness and your mental focus and, and all those things. They all really dovetail and, and work together because you can have one and, and not the others, and then all of a sudden you're just – kind of plummeting and, and you're done you know in seconds yeah, yeah. you know and, and, and like mike was saying you know i mean without you know i, I call that the um, from couch to the octagon mentality right you yeah. know th- there's so many things in between i mean you, you can't you're not immediately going to become an mma fighter because you get off the couch and so I mean, there's a lot of training that has to you know go on between that um and you know you know we talk you know sometimes that you know um i say sometimes that you know if you, you train, you know, like you're getting ready for Armageddon, but please understand that 95% of the time you're going to be dealing with that guy in the road rage situation. Right. Yeah. And you, you have to have the mindset of, okay, what do I do in these cases? You know, because you can't, because someone spits on your shoe, and we've had some calls like this, you can't pull your gun on them. 
So, you know, you have to have an understanding and go through these scenarios in your head. Mike and I, I always talk about, you know, mental preparedness and, you know, um, putting yourself in situations in your mind, you know, prepare you so that you have in your mind set things because you have to train yourself even mentally for this, these altercations. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just so, so important that you guys get a hold of this and you, you do some of the things that we're doing. And that's why we teach this stuff. You know, everyone else, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of our members, they call and they give us kudos for, you know, our articles and our podcast and the academy stuff. And that's why we're going to, you know, start doing some more of that to get you guys prepared to be your own risk managers. And because at the end of the day, we're not going to be there. So it's just going to be you. And you have to make the right decisions because the wrong decisions could launch you into a battle for your freedom. Uh, beyond the battle for your life. Right. You know, and there's a whole, there, there's also another aspect, I think, to this w when it comes to just dealing with other people. You know, when you talk about physical confrontations, you talk about body mechanics. That's right. Understanding body mechanics, but also body signs of mm -hmm. aggression and stuff. But there's another aspect of when you brought up, you know, pulling your firearm on somebody that's unarmed, <clears throat> there's also this other aspect of understanding, like, reactions. Mm -hmm. right. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the things that you, that you would think would be a deterrent as in pulling a firearm out and introducing it to a situation where you have two people, whether it be a road rage or whether it be just a, a confrontation, a lot of people think that gun will deter that, mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily the case. Oh. And it, it's all due to, you know, um, human interaction and what state of mind this person is because they may not be in a rational state. Introducing that firearm may make them more aggressive. And, you, right. and we've seen it time and time again. Yes, well, sir. And it, it may not just be somebody behind the wheel. I mean, we don't know. What, what their mental capacity is, and, and we've got so much mental illness stuff out there mm -hmm. going yep. on. Um, uh, you're, you're talking about under the influence of something. What you know, these people have put something on board that that for whatever reason they get liquid courage, or, or yeah. you know, they just don't they just don't respond to things um, in a rational manner. Um, and you know, honestly, the biggest deal, you know, we're we're talking about the training stuff for Armageddon, worst case scenario. This mm -hmm. is this is as bad as it gets. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm really never making a determination that I'm going to deploy deadly force. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Somebody else makes that determination for yeah. me. That their actions cause my my response. Um the the training on the mental aspect of it is is understanding that absolute best case scenario is complete avoidance that's right right you know, there's nothing to say that i can't just go away from the situation yes. I, i'll back down I'm, I'm not too proud i'm yes. good with that um i i've been i've been knocked down by both you guys <laughs> if i don't if i don't got to do that i don't want to do that so yeah <clears throat> and that's one of the things i was kind of getting to is you know avoidance we we always talk about avoidance and that's the biggest thing because and you, you never know even beyond the chemical or mental, you know, imbalances. I mean, somebody might just have something that triggers them right. that they, they're normally, you know, a rational person, but then something just triggers them, especially now with everything going on, you know, with politics. And I mean, 
where we're at in our society right now, you know, avoidance is really the, the main thing that you need to look at. And, uh, yeah, that was the point. It's just, you don't, you never know what that reaction is going to be by yeah. that other person. You're right. And, and just to piggyback what Mike's saying, you know, like unwittingly, like all of you are pushing into your life anxiety, um, you know, and fear because of all this stuff in the internet that you're taking in. And you look at that stuff over and over and all the riots and all, you know, people being pulled out of their cars and different things like that. Yes, you have to be prepared for that. But the more of those that you take in, if you're not balancing that out with what would I do in this scenario, right? that's where you, you're losing mm -hmm. it. Because all you're doing is making yourself fearful and, and being anxious. And you, the way that you train and what you train most at, that's what you're going to go to when you're feared. Correct. And that is grabbing your gun. So you have to think through it and say, okay, when you see these and you, you look at these viral videos, you go, okay, what would I do in the situation? How would I avoid that? How would I get out of that? And you, 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 of course, you have to go through the deadly force aspect of it, but you also have to train your mind to understand how could I get out of it before I pull the trigger? Yes. Options. That's right. You yeah. have to train options. Well, I mean, with, with the current things going on in different parts of the country, I mean, how many of these guys are getting getting caught up in stuff because they just wanted to go watch? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why, why, yeah. Are you, why are you going to insert yourself into that problem to begin with? Correct. You know, look at it on the news. I, I don't need to be a, be a part of that. I mean, it's just one of those. That's It's a decision. Um, it's not like I've turned the corner and all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm in this situation. Yeah. Those are the ones that when you see those things happening and somebody being pulled out of their car or something like that, that's the ones you need to start preparing now. What What are my options? What are the things I can do? Because if I think about those things ahead of time, I'm I'm usually able to to respond in a in a much more clearly thought out, rational way yeah. than, than just going into panic mode. Yes, <clears throat> you know, and it doesn't. The, the funny thing is, it doesn't take much to add that stress. Mm -hmm. No. You know, you think about... Especially well, if you've never <clears throat> been in, yeah. inoculated with it. You know, we, yeah. we in the academy settings, we, yeah. we absolutely, it's from, from day one, you show up and we... <laughs> add stress. We add stress. Mm -hmm. we, we manufacture it because right. I've got to see how you respond. And once, once we're there, and there's people on day one that, that decide, I can't do this. This is not mm -hmm. for they, me. they never come back. That's right. Yeah. Um, but as you, as you go through the, the training cycles... Um, and you up that up, um, and, you know, it's why we put, put time sequences and, and mandatory magazine changes and things like that in our firearms mm -hmm. training is because I'm making you function through a stressful situation, even though it's just, it's just a time stressor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and my, my way of coaching there was, was always, you know, you've got four rounds in, in four seconds or whatever it is, um, don't don't race to get all four rounds off. Mm -hmm. If all you can get is three, make three accurate shots. That's right. Eat that round. You don't got to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. So that's part of learning how to deal with those stressors is is realizing these are things I can I can do to overcome those things. And even like environmental, how many times have you gone? You probably know this from the wrestling room, but you you do a workout and then you go somewhere else. You do the exact same workout with a different group of people. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why am I so tired? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I, you know, 
I remember when I was tra- when I was with ATF, I'd go to different like Georgetown University or down in Dallas a lot. Go to different places to train, mm-hmm. and just a different place to train. You're doing the same thing, yes, but it wears you out so much more. I mean, even just little little changes like that right. m- make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Stan was saying, to be able to have those options in your mind. Well, like Rob was saying, number one, don't put yourself in that position. Right. That's right. But then um, having the options you know i mean it's just so important right now um what they both said you know and we're seeing this play out time you know every day these things happen where it all comes down to what what was that what what were you what were they doing there you know right kenosha what i mean what were you doing there Mm -hmm. so i think it's just really something to think about and um i'm excited for the training that we're gonna. We've already looked at some courses, two or three courses that we hope to add in 2021 that I think are, are going to be huge in that. Right. So let's jump to uh, out of training and into your background in being on the other side of the witness stand. You know, because we've all been on our side where you know we've arrested someone and we, we've um, we're, we're we're explaining to the, the judge and jury what what happened. Or, when, or in your shooting, like when, when Mike was sued as, as well. I mean, explain in a way, you know, why you made these decisions. But you've been on the opposite side of that when you've been pulled in as a, a court-certified expert. Right. Um, and sometimes end up on the opposite side of what police have done in shootings, right? Well, I, I, I have. Uh, I've, I've worked cases against police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, not the situation you sign up to be in, but if, if you can't do that with somebody wearing a badging the gun you should not be allowed to do that against the general population period yeah um and i've 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 done that within the you know as a as a expert for the prosecution i've been an expert for the defense Mm -hmm. um and my deal isn't to give you a valid reason why you did xyz Mm -hmm. My, my deal is to come in and tell you as as the law stands this is why what happened is is okay. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it's one of those things that uh, you know. Sometimes we don't always get it right. That's mm-hmm. that's why we go to jury trials. That's we let we let an impartial jury uh, hear all the evidence and they make that decision for us. Yes. Um, I've I've worked uh, civilian cases. I've worked law enforcement cases. Um, I worked lawsuits against police officers for, mm-hmm. for a number of years. Um, it, it's just really putting out the information for jurors, uh, or whoever is sitting in judgment, uh, once something is taken to the, the point of trial, um, that I want to explain to those sitting in those decision-making chairs, mm-hmm. Um, how how this applies and how the law applies to it and that kind of thing. You know, and, and, and for, for our listeners and our members, you know, one of the things that's important about, I mean, we're really intentional about who we bring on board with our organization because in a lot of cases, you know, we're experts in different areas. And when you think about that, especially when we look at your cases, you know, there are times where, like in the Maddox case, for instance, you know, Don and the lawyers that we hired for him had to make a decision because it's a very important decision. It's like, okay, do we put this person on the stand? Right. You know, because some of you don't need to be there because you'll hurt yourself. 
and you know, and others are, are are fine to be able to sit up there and deal with that, you know. And that's one of the reasons why we have Sean and Don and people, mm -hmm. you know, um, that can help you go through, you know, because I mean, once again, the difference between us and them is that we can set up the scenario and and and, and build a scenario in which we have Don, you know, ask you the hard questions or put you in a position where. Gary, you know, from being from the homicide detective or or being, you know, working for the prosecution side, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, Rob, you know, stepping in and being able to say, OK, these are some things I've seen in this in, in, in this case or that case that we have to watch for because these are these are similar. Right. So we're able to tap into our experts and look at your case, you know, after it occurred and make the right decisions for you and help the, the defense team make the right decision, decision for you to keep you out of prison. So it's really, really important that we have these people here. Um, but keep talking about, you know, there, there was a case that, uh, uh, was, now was that a friend of yours, the doctor? Was he a friend of yours? Or did you no, I, that? I, I got a call from an attorney. Okay. Um, and it was a gentleman in the southern part of the state. Um, <clears throat> he was involved in actually a kind of a domestic kind of thing. Um, he had... Uh, his weekend visitation with his kids the end of the weekend comes and he goes to take his kids back to their mom um, he had some medical conditions that really put him at risk um, mm -hmm. and as he's getting ready to leave he winds up being attacked by uh, his ex-wife's new boyfriend mm -hmm. um, in the middle of this thing the ex-wife comes and becomes involved. Now it's a two-on-one thing. He gets knocked to the ground. Um, and he he is at that point that because of pre-existing medical things, um, there there is the potential for death for him. Mm -hmm. um, as he got knocked to the ground, he actually is, is a concealed carrier. Um, he didn't have good equipment. He didn't have a holster on. He just had a pistol tucked into his waistband. When he hit the ground, it came came out. Mm. And the other guy comes across, um, coming after his gun. Um, he actually actually grabs his gun, makes the determination that this is his his only option out of here now. Mm -hmm. He's he's in a bad way. Yes. Uh, and he fires a shot. Um, but everything he did from that point forward would really be the way that I would coach somebody up. Yes. Um, he immediately secures his firearm in his vehicle, mm -hmm. um, has his daughter call 911. Mm -hmm. he, he tells her what to say. Yes. Um, we need uh, police. We need medical. Medical. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, this has occurred. I had to defend myself. And that's the end of commu the communications. Yes. Um, and he immediately goes back into being a physician and starts treating the guy that had just attacked him. Yes. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, down the way, uh, they wound up, I believe it was more than a year later, filing charges on him. Mm. Um, but something that you're just not ever pre prepared for. I mean, you may be prepared to defend yourself. But you, um, unless you really know what you're doing, um, and I, I'm, it, it was very educational for me because I learned right then that I could not defend myself in a legal action mm -hmm. if that happened to me off duty. 
Correct. And, um, and, and his cost, how much? He was over $600,000. 600000 yeah. So You know, in our highest case is about a little close to 400000 So, I mean, it can get up there. Yeah, so it, it's, and that's sure not uncommon. No, it's no. not I mean, uncommon. Five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand is not uncommon for a case like that. And that was a case in southern Oklahoma. Yeah, right. you know, you look at, at cases in Dallas or yeah. California. I mean, unfriendly uh, states. I mean, well, and this really this was well. this was really a, a very conservative mm-hmm. um, farming community for the most part. Yeah, um, just just out in a rural rural area. Yeah, and, um, and then, you know, just like what Rob is saying, you know, that scenario there, what he built for you, I mean, we're actually working a case right now where one of our members had to use deadly force, and we've been working this for a while, but it was the same scenario where his ex-boyfriend comes mm-hmm. to the door and, you know, is causing issues, and, and not to take anything away from our member, but he had his firearm on him, and he engaged. You know, um, I mean, there, there's a critical point where you have to decide, do I engage or not? Because when you bring a gun to a verbal argument or even the physical fight it could be used so sometimes if you have a barrier which like a door don't open it call the police let them do their jobs and don't try to become the police don't try to allow this tool of of defense you know to turn into an ego boost and get you stepping out beyond where you should be or beyond your training abilities well and and for me uh, and I've, I've carried a gun my whole life. Um, but for me, especially out of law enforcement now being retired, uh, it's an implement of last resort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's just, and until I don't have any other choice, I'm not, I'm not using a gun. Um, and it's just exactly that. Uh, cause once you're in a confrontation with that, you are in an armed confrontation, whether it's in your hands or somebody else's. Now, talk about, like, over the past three months, I mean, the nation has um, gone through a push where brand new users, like over 5 million people have have gone out and gotten and, and, and purchased firearms this you know, year, for, for yes. their defense mm-hmm. this year. And um, so, you know, the mindset of the new owner, you know, I mean, what, what kind of message do you have for them? Well, number one is is hopefully this is something we can get put together relatively quickly. Um but I'd, I'd like to put some stuff together for that new gun owner um, just to develop a measure of comfort with it, to understand that it's not going to do anything I don't make it do. That's right. That we don't lay them down and they just go off. Yes. Um, but to become familiar, um, even even as simply and kind of like firearms, a beginning firearms kind of thing, um, to explain you know, this is your cartridge. This is the parts of the cartridge. This is what makes it up. And that in itself, the whole thing mm-hmm. is is a round of ammunition. Yes. Um, everybody looks at it and goes, that's a bullet. Well, actually, the bullet's the projectile that comes out the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to just give you a familiarity, just really simple. Um, and then we can go into the different firearms and, and revolvers or semi-autos, striker fire, hammer mm-hmm. fire, whatever it is. And let you know how this thing functions, why it functions. Yes. Um, because the more I know about it, the more comfortable I become with it. That's true. Um, and even still, even though, I mean, we've carried guns between us for almost 100 years, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're having to understand that it, it is something that can cause great, great damage and death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, every time you handle it, whether it's 
loaded, unloaded, whatever. Every time I touch a gun, it's it's a loaded gun until I know it's not for fact. So yes. that's the very first thing I do. Uh, it's just simple things like that. You know, I always like to add something. Um, you know, if, if you guys get a chance, just get on the Internet and, and, and pull up training firearms. So like little, you know, uh, Safari Land has them and other places, ASP. But, you know, they're, they're blue and of different colored guns. Right. But, you know, while you're home and if, you know, the pandemic's still going on or you're quarantined in place, you know, if you think about uh, purchasing one of those, having to deliver it so that you can start playing around with, you know, different things so you're not playing with a real gun. Sure. Uh, but have make it similar to what you have. And then, you know, roll around, have somebody, you know, train with you, like grabbing it and, you know, you know practice defending it, you know, so that you can be safe but still getting that time, you know, right? I mean, because it's really important. We do it all the time, especially when we teach. We have these things so that, you know, uh, you can do the things that you can to make yourself better and to protect your weapon. Because if you can't protect the weapon, you're not going to be able to use it. So um, that, that stuff's important. Well, and it goes back to what Mike was talking about earlier as far as the preparation of different things. Um, if you've never actually fought hand-to-hand over a firearm mm-hmm. you have no earthly idea how how quickly that's going to zap you no, um, absolutely. and we we learned that in that class <laughs> that stan was talking about from mr hicks yeah um and the very first thing we did we brought it back and and immediately put that into practice that's right and in, in police training yeah fighting over firearms um, is really really it is, important it is not a good thing to be i mean and until you learn what to do and and how to how to maneuver with the thing it's it's exhausting. Yes. So. I love it. Cool. You got anything further? No key takeaways. Yeah. I'll start. I think. I think for me, it's uh, what Rob was just saying. Um, familiarity leads to comfort, leads to safety. Um, confidence. <clears throat> confidence. Yeah. And I think that's for the for the many people out there who first time gun owners. Um, you know, become familiar with it. I would suggest to try to find a trainer in your area. And when I'm talking about a trainer, very basic training, Mm -hmm. um, starting with functionality of a firearm, you know, um, and like I said, familiarity, how it works, and then go from there and just take baby steps because that's the biggest thing. And I'll even admit, you know, when I left law enforcement, I didn't carry for a while. Mm -hmm. And even just being out of carrying every day for a short time you become uncomfortable and you have to get that back um so don't think anything of it if you're you know and i've gotten calls from people i'm just not comfortable i just and like rob said once you understand how that firearm functions that it's not going to go off and you understand the four basic rules of firearms Mm -hmm. then you can move forward so that would be my key takeaway uh would be that so mine is going to be really simple, and, um, you know, um, I always fall back on training here first, training here second, and, um, you know, training is so, so important, and your mindset, you know, being aware, you know, um, we talk about probably, you know, this in the past six months, all of us has been more aware than we ever have in our lives in reference to identifying people and threats and stuff, so keep that going, um, identify it. I'm also going to throw in there what I talked about earlier about conditioning yourselves to be uh, in an uh, anxious state. You know, be mindful of what you watch. And anytime you watch something, viral videos or whatever, make sure you go through in your mind, 
what would I do in this scenario to avoid, to de-escalate, and to use deadly force? Um, I really like all the stuff going on right now um, and how everybody gets so twisted up. Um, you get so, yeah, and we get calls help here. Um, oh my gosh, if that happened at my house, would I be covered? Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing snippets of an incident on the news, and that's all you're going to see. You're not getting a full picture. You don't know all the background. You don't know everything that's going on, whether it's a law enforcement-related shooting, whether it's a a self-defense shooting or or something like what happened up in Kenosha. Um, We don't know the full story. Mm -hmm. So don't call me and ask, ask, what about this? Because I don't have the answer. I I would never make an opinion on something without knowing all the facts. Correct. Um, that's when, that's when we can start really breaking it down and discussing. We've all sat in that position where we get to be critical of an incident, Mm -hmm. but it's, we can be critical because we know all of the information at, at the end of an investigation. Um, so my deal is, is to look at those things and understand things, things happen, bad things happen. Um, but don't get wrapped up in, oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. Start start doing visualization things and, and thinking how you would have responded in a similar situation and how you could have taken yourself out of that situation. Those are the big deals for me. So um, I'm really looking forward and anxious to seeing what kind of training we can get out there for guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not even opposed if, if people had ideas and it was like, you know, Hey, I'd really like to see you touch on this or something like that Mm -hmm. and just email in or something and, and at least have, have ideas what, what people are looking specifically for. That's right. And and then just to piggyback um, Rob real quick and to put you guys at ease, how we operate with our organization is we push, you know, resources toward you upon your phone call. Uh, You don't have to call up here and ask us, okay, here's a new case. Would you cover me if, as long as you are acting in self-defense, we're going to cover you, all right? Um, don't be the aggressor in it. Don't be a criminal because we're not going to cover any criminal acts. And we're not talking if somebody charged you with murder. We're talking about, you know, regular felonious acts. Um, if you're not doing that, know that you're going to be covered. If you have something that you can articulate that you use self-defense, we're going to be there for you. Don't worry about it. So don't, you don't have to call and say, hey, there's a new case. Would you cover me if? You have to worry about you and what you're going to do in these cases. We're going to be there for you. Um, and we, we lean on your side. I mean, if you look at the Maddox case, case in point, you know, the police said it was murder. Prosecutor, investigator said it was murder. We looked at it. And we have our own team of experts and say, no, this is a self-defense case. And we pushed at him all of these resources and helped him to get to the point of a not guilty verdict. Uh, experts, experts to help you. I mean, we, we have all that for you. So don't worry about it. You guys are going to be all right. We got you. We got your back. Justin, you got a takeaway? Yeah, I mean, to me, the thing, and it's come up several times and it comes up quite a bit in these discussions, the most important thing I think people get from training is options. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the more trained and experienced you are, the more, more options you have because you know what to look for. You have an idea of generally how things can go down. Um, You guys have watched and participated in who knows how many incidents where, you know, violence is used or it happened or it could have happened and didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And the more you're exposed to that kind of thing, you know, the more options you have. It's the old 
you know, cliche of if the only tool you own is a hammer, everything, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. So, uh, but to me, that's the thing, and that's something I try to practice, and that's something I tell a lot everybody that is approaching me now, and it's been going on for months with all this madness going on. Everybody wants to buy a gun, mm-hmm. and I'm all for that, but I, I try to t- really get it through their mind that it's not a talisman. Yeah, You're man. not going to buy this machine, and it's going to make you safe. Mm-hmm. It's buying a, a, you know, a race car doesn't make you a race car driver. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just one mm-hmm. tool of many, and it's the last one you ever want to use. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, absolutely, you know, start thinking about stuff and working on things. But just understand, it's a lot more involved than, hey, I spent $500, now I don't have to worry anymore. That's yeah. right. So, options, that's my thing. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And, um, Rob, it's great to have you on. Thanks. Welcome, Glad brother. to be here. All right, you guys be safe.